Hello and welcome to On Sacred Land, conversations about indigenous artistic responses to environmental destruction. In this episode, I will be discussing the 2001 documentary In the Light of Reverence with guest Martha Stevenson. Martha is a historian and librarian at the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater and a member of the Wisconsin Brothertown Indian Nation. She is also a mentor for students involved with UW-Whitewater's Native American Cultural Awareness Association. Her expertise on American Indian history and modern relations was what led me to ask her to take part in this project. So thank you to Martha for letting me record our conversation about this documentary. According to the Sacred Lands Project, In the Light of Reverence explores American culture's relationship to nature in three places considered sacred by Native peoples, Devil's Tower in Wyoming, the Colorado Plateau in the Southwest, and Mount Shasta in California. Rich in minerals and beloved by recreational users, these holy lands exert a spiritual gravity that pulls Native Americans into conflict with mining companies, New Age practitioners, and rock climbers. Ironically, all sides see themselves as besieged. This award-winning film documents the Lakota, Hopi, and Winneman Wintu efforts to protect their most sacred places. Their battles tell a new story of culture clashes in an ancient landscape. I sat down with Martha to ask questions about her perspective on issues raised in this documentary. So you were able to access the movie, right? watched it a couple times so what do you think of it um I thought it was really good actually um I enjoyed um no and educational of course but I enjoyed hearing from the three different um three different nations Mm -hmm. their perspectives on the same issue Mm -hmm. um and I liked how it gave different perspectives so people don't think all Native Americans are the same and yet um there were so many similarities in their beliefs, um, like about how the land is a sacred place and specific places are also very sacred. Um, and I liked how they were, um, it wasn't said explicitly, but how the land is owned by everyone, not by particular people. So people have the right to use it, especially, um, like in the case of the, um, was it the, uh, the Lakota, uh, you know, treaty rights protect them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, they do have a leg to stand on, but not everybody. Like the, um, was it the Winnowingtu? Yeah. Um, you know, they're not a federally recognized tribe, but they still, it's still their their um, homelands. Yeah, I also really so. liked all the different perspectives of different tribes. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, um, I thought that was important. So, do you mind just jumping into the questions here? No, that's fine. All right, so when I was um, watching it, I was thinking about how it's not entirely recent, and um, I wondered what your perspective on why it's still relevant and if things have changed about how Indian sacred land is disrespected at all. Okay. Um, So, yeah, this movie was released in 2001, so, yeah, (laughs) almost 20 years ago. Right. Um, but I do believe that the topic is still very relevant as things, uh, have not changed that much regarding disrespect shown to Native American sacred land. I mean, I think for a lot of people, um, movies like this, um, and other things that have happened have raised awareness, but there are still many people who, um, 
don't respect Native Americans. Um, for example, in the movie, there was a woman who said, uh, there, were, you know, there were never Native Americans here, and now they're here, and they want access to um, the Devil's. Um, I can't remember the name. Oh, anyway. Devil's Tower. Devil's Tower. You know, they're like, oh, Native Americans were never here, and I still hear people going, oh, there's still Native Americans. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. It's like, uh, yeah, <laughs> and um, so I, I just. Uh, I thought of a couple incidents um, that show how it hasn't changed that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the, they both regard uh, are regarding pipelines. So, for example, with the Dakota Access Pipeline on the Standing Rock Reservation, um, which is uh, several uh, bands of the Lakota and the Dakota live there, um, Article 2 of the Fort Laramie Treaty guarantees them the undisturbed use and occupation of reservations and the land surrounding the proposed area of location of the pipeline okay and yet the pipeline uh people were able to go ahead get government uh permission to go through um their reservation with and sacred sites on the reservation with their pipeline and so the indigenous people there were protesting they got a lot of support um from indigenous and non-indigenous people um but the mere fact that the, that the Dakota Access Pipeline was going forward um, several times in spite of setbacks, um, I thought that was a, a good example of how it's still the land is still being disrespect, disrespected and misunderstood. And another one was the Keystone XL Pipeline that was going near the Rosebud and Fort Elkamp Nations um, okay. reservations. Mm-hmm. And uh, they also have a sacred inheritance uh from treaties that were guaranteeing that their lands from trespass and their resources from destruction. And also there is going through, um, sacred lands. Okay. So, um, you know, and both of those were in the last five to 10 years, I believe. Um, so the, it seems like the Dakota access pipeline is still an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's very recent. Uh, and then another, um, Point that I was thinking about is that people are still um, appropriating uh, native spiritualism and sacred spaces without understanding or attempts at understanding. So in the movie, we saw um, how this one group of people was uh, running around and doing sort of what they thought were Native American ceremonies, but it was pretty clear from um, the indigenous people who are working, living there and the park rangers that they were not being very respectful of mm-hmm. the land or um, they didn't say or the religion, but it seemed pretty clear that they didn't know what they were doing, although they thought it was uh, Native American in origin, mm-hmm. which made me think of this uh, spiritual warrior event um, from about 11 years ago, from 2009, that was run by a man named James Arthur Ray. Um, and people were actually killed in uh, a non-traditional sweat lodge. Oh, whoa. So, um, from the way he ran it and the, uh, the things that he did leading up to the sweat lodge, uh, several people died and a lot of people were seriously injured. So while that example is not land specific, it is still related to um, indigenous spiritualism. My goodness. Yeah, that's terrible. I remember um, the Dakota Access Pipeline um, protests when they were first happening and everything. I remember like reading about it and everything. It was just crazy. Yep. So... Unfortunately, I think this is still a very relevant and timely movie. Uh, I agree with uh, several points that were made in the movie. Um, One of them is that uh, 
it's preventing indigenous people from using the sacred land themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also them doing things that are offensive to the spirits like nudity, which I mentioned um, just a little while ago. And I think that they're appropriating ceremonies. This is a, like a repeat of what I just said. <laughs> uh-huh. Appropriating um, re- ceremonies or what they think the ceremonies are without learning or trying to learn uh, what is right. Right. Yeah. So they were using the sacred site, but in a way that um, was not appropriate. I think that that really ties in with um, the that they don't understand that there's no buildings there. So the building, like the church, is sacred mm-hmm. uh, for many Westerners, not the land itself. So as an example that was in the movie is um, you can build a building anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and move it around, but it's not necessarily where these sacred things happen. So, like, Jerusalem is sacred for a lot of um, Christians and Jewish people, but it's but not all churches are there. They're in different places. And I think, especially in the um, examples that were highlighted here with the Lakota Sioux, the Winnemumwintu, and the Hopi, um, it was definitely the land that was important, and it was specific land, uh, and specific places that have unique meaning. Um, and so the, the man who did the strip mining for gravel, mm-hmm. he said that if he can't see it, he doesn't think it's there. And the Hopi people were like, well, we can't show it to you or it won't be sacred anymore. And he mm-hmm. just kept repeating himself and repeating himself that if he can't see it, it isn't there. Mm-hmm. So he just did the strip mining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is so interesting, just the the difference in worldviews in that way of, like, um, people like that and myself in a lot of ways. Like, um, white Americans just don't tend to understand that if even if something isn't a physical building like a church, it, it can still have meaning and reverence and everything. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I have friends who say that uh, nature is a religious experience. Uh, but I'm not sure that they're actually thinking of it in the same way as Native Americans do. Yeah, I was actually just going to say that same thing of um, how people often say that they have the same experience because, like, for instance, the rock climbers who are climbing Devil's Tower, even in the season when Native Americans asked not for them not to, um, and they would say, oh, well, we, we have a religious experience or a spiritual experience as well, but it's really not the same thing if you remember um regarding the rock climbers uh they were one of the uh, park rangers that they talked to was saying how um 85 percent of the people who used to climb that mountain during the month of june stopped doing it out of respect for native american Mm -hmm. uh, spirituality and religious um uses of the area so only 15% of the people That's true. Um, continued to climb, and we just got to see one of the people who continued to climb. Yeah, they did profile him <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah, for quite some time. <laughs> Made him look so, a little bad. Um, yeah, I just think that, uh, you know, like he clearly, um, and several other people in the movies as well, sorry I didn't write down all their names, uh, definitely several of these individuals thought that they had the right to do something. Like, it's their right to go rock climbing, or it's their right to build a ski resort. Um, yeah. Or it's their right to use the land. And that just reminded me of what's happening right now um, with the whole COVID-19 mask wearing, social distancing um, mm-hmm. experience that we're having um, all across the world. 
um, at least in the United States or in Wisconsin, people believe it's their right um, to not wear a mask, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're only thinking of themselves and it's a personal right. Uh, But rights are actually legal or social or ethical principles of freedom, like something that they're entitled to legally or through social conventions. Mm -hmm. So rights are like food and water and shelter. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they're really only thinking of themselves versus the responsibility for the good of the many. Yeah, Um, that's a good connection. Thinking back to COVID-19 and mask wearing, mask wearing is good for everybody. Right. You know, it'll protect yourself, but it also protects other people if you're sick. And social distancing helps other people as well as yourself. And the people, several of the people in the movie, it just seemed like they were only thinking about themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, which, which had me thinking about um, Native Americans thinking forward for seven generations. Not just what's good for themselves right now, but what's good for the many in the future. You know, their grandchildren's grandchildren, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so rock climbing and bulldozing, they aren't rights. They're choices that are made by those people. Mm-hmm. So those people were choosing not to respect um, the sacredness of the land. Or, um, well, like, another example of a right might be that the, uh, I believe it's the Constitution of the United States says people can practice religious freedom. Mm-hmm. But as seen by the people in this movie, the Westerners in this movie, um, people aren't thinking oh it's their religious freedom they only think about themselves yeah mm-hmm. it's like very selfish in a way yes yes that was the impression that i got yeah so how can this right versus responsibility or caretaker distinction be navigated in order to allow for the respect for indian religious practices to be properly acknowledged a very good question (laughs) (laughs) it's Um, tough (laughs) yeah um i think that in part it's a matter of uh, knowledge so people know what the issues are um you know knowing that that uh native americans are uh, out there they're people they have their religious and spiritual practices Mm mm-hmm and um, that there needs to be a respect for that. And I'm just seeing a lot of, in the news anyway lately, a lot of people disrespecting other people's differences. Yeah. And I think it's a very difficult thing to get people to, uh, some people anyway, to start respecting others mm-hmm. um, that are different than themselves. So I was also thinking about the, like the Black Lives Movement, mm-hmm. um, where it isn't that Black Lives are the only lives that matter, but their lives that uh, people seem to be not thinking that they matter mm-hmm. at the moment. Mm-hmm. And once again, that's not all people. That's just some people. Right. So, um, so Black Lives Matter is just paying attention to the people who are being ignored and saying their lives matter in addition to everybody else's. Right, exactly. So, so that movement is getting some people to change, but not everybody. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing the same sort of... Um, relationship to Native Americans and their spirituality, people who want to learn and understand are making changes, but many people are not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were talking about the concept earlier in my class about uh, rhetorical sovereignty and also how um, that idea is often 
not understood in society and politics and everything and the idea of letting groups speak for themselves and letting minorities whether it be the black lives matter or native american spirituality um not letting them speak for themselves on what they need and sort of how like you said when we uh have differences and when those differences are ignored either willingly or unwillingly they they don't allow for proper change to happen in the way that those groups actually need them. Um, and also how we can sometimes impose things that we think those groups need when in fact they need something different. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I totally agree with that. Um, you know, you need to ask the people who it's affecting. And this is, uh, in the movie, they're talking to the people from three different nations or three different tribes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and finding out what they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So they can understand that. And, you know, it's also thinking about, like you were mentioning, the sovereignty part of, of that issue. These are people from sovereign nations that are different um, than our own. And unfortunately, in two of the examples, the land wasn't, quote-unquote, uh, owned by the people. It wasn't part of the reservation, but their treaty rights did give them mm-hmm. access to that land. Yeah, and even when even when the sacred and sovereign sites aren't on reservation land, it, it's still um sad that they, you know, that that has to be a criteria for them to be respected. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh yeah, it's just like it's a matter of knowledge and do people want to know, do they want to ask the, um the different nations what they need? Mhm. Or do they want to ignore it? And it seemed that's actually a good thing. I think several of the um people who were interviewed in this uh, in this movie were willfully ignorant they were choosing not to understand yeah and to not learn definitely I would just reiterate uh, that the um, that the non-indigenous people many of them believe the land is owned by them or by the US government um, so therefore it's not accessible to uh, Native Americans so there's a difference between being stewards of the land as opposed to owning the land. And many yeah. indigenous people take care of the land and they use it, but they're not destroying it for other people. So one of the things that I was thinking about while watching the movie, they were talking about the rock, one particular rock climber was talking about, you know, pushing his little thing into the rock. I couldn't remember the name of the bit. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Pushing it into the rock in order to be able to climb the rock. Well, that could also destroy that um, geographic feature. Mm-hmm. You know, it could cause piece, pieces to come off mm-hmm. um, or offer stress to it. So he wasn't thinking about future generations or future use. He was just concerned with himself. Right, yeah. And the same thing with the mining as well. All the people who are mining um, near the Hopi sites, sacred burial grounds. They're just thinking about you know, making money and industrialization, things like that. And it's destroying the land. Yeah, so the Hopi and the Navajo gave permission for the use of the land, but they didn't realize what it meant. Mm-hmm. And then so they that, tried to yes, buy it back, right? Right, absolutely. I do think there is some hope for indigenous communities in the future. Um, but like I was just saying, it's a matter of, uh, of understanding and uh, willingness to learn. 
and it's probably going to take a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, this was 20 years ago, and like I said earlier, I don't think a lot of things have changed, but some things have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope that going forward, uh, people will respect uh, the sacred sites and the sacred burial sites um, of Indigenous nations. Mm-hmm. And I do think, like we said, there has been a little bit more of an awakening with different social issues, such as American Indian rights and um, Black Lives Matter and, and even like immigrant rights and stuff. I think I think people are to an extent waking up to um, the errors and lots of policies and things like that. At least I hope. I hope so, too. And I, I think it's it's partially a matter of perseverance in the face of adversity. Don't mm-hmm. give up. Um, just keep trying. Yeah, I think I've touched on all the points I wanted to touch on. Yeah, it's really great. I loved listening to your perspectives. Thank you so much. So that wraps up today's discussion. You're listening to On Sacred Land, conversations about indigenous artistic responses to environmental destruction. Thanks and tune in for the next episode when we'll be discussing the poem Culture and the Universe by Simon J. Ortiz. Be sure to check out our website, www.onsacredlandpodcast.wordpress.com, to read episode transcripts and learn more about this project.